being a mama, it's a big deal. <laughs> and you know what? It's a woman's privilege to get to be a mama. And even if you're not a mama, uh, that womanly intuition and mothering and nurturing is something that uh, is built into us. Uh, I have aunties in my kids' lives who do not have children, and they are just a huge blessing because they have extra time to pour into my kids, and I appreciate that. But the, the uh, having a baby, being a mama, is a gift that God gives to women. And it's very special. So let's see. I had a couple things to kind of get us started. Um, you know, pregnancy itself is so amazing, isn't it? Just the development of a human being from the seed and the sperm. From that, you know, the, the progression, um, the things that happen in a woman's womb are just amazing. And God has done that for us. And he allows us to share in that, that bringing in of new life. It's not a fetus. It's not a first, second, or third trimester. It's a baby. It's always a baby. Such a precious little one. And so many things are already going on from very early on. As early as five weeks, the baby's heart has begun to beat. And then you go on the doctor and they put that ultrasound up there and you hear that whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Oh, So exciting to hear that little baby's heartbeat. Uh, 54 million babies heart will take by the time it's born in utero. So his little heart's already beating. His little mind is forming. The baby has 300, up to 300 bones at birth. Some of those fuse together a little later on in childhood, but think of that, 300 bones. God molds, he tells us, he forms us in our mama's wounds. Um, at six weeks, the little brain activity starts, the nervous system is developing. By eight weeks, there's little fingers and toes. And at nine weeks, the baby begins to yawn. And that yawn is, is actually exercise and getting all the things necessary for speaking. And the hearing is so amazing. That little one can hear mama. And when mama speaks, that little heartbeat races. The little extra activity. Wow. It stimulates that child. What a privilege, isn't it? And as much as a privilege as it is, it can also be a challenge, right? But God, this is God's plan for us. I have just a, it's always fun when you're talking about kids to kind of start with a little levity, <laughs> right? So it says, mothers are the same the world over. Paul's revered mother said, I don't care where you think you have to go, young man. Midnight is past your curfew. <laughs> Mona Lisa's mother says, after all that money, your father and I spent on braces, that's the biggest smile you can get. <laughs> I liked this one. Michelangelo's mother said, can you paint on walls like other children? Do you have any idea how hard it is to get the stuff off the ceiling? <laughs> and I, I have a grandson that looks like Albert Einstein in his hair. But it's in your, and Albert Einstein's mother says, but it's your senior picture. Can't you do something about your hair? Styling gel or mousse or something? <laughs> this one, Jonah's mother. That's a nice story. Now tell me where you've really been for the last three days. <laughs> Thomas Edison's mother. Of course I'm proud that you invented the electric light bulb and we'll turn it off and go to bed. <laughs> I have to keep the sense of humor as a mama. Yes. No doubt about that. 
You know, uh, I will talk about a few books along the way this morning. I might recommend I, but I don't, you know, there's no handbook to raising children. And there's no one book that's going to fit your family. And there's no, um, no one that's going to fit you and your husband. So I, I love, there's some really great books on, you know, out there if you're raising children, but read them with caution, you know, read them with prayer and with consideration uh, for your husband and for common sense. I know there was one that went out when I was a young mom. Boy, I can't remember the name of it, thankfully. And it was about um, this method of feeding your children. And there was actually children malnourished because the moms were sticking to it as if it were the law. And these kids were very hungry. You know, there's a lot of junk out there, too. So there's no handbook. There's also no guarantee that it's, you know, we're called to serve God. We're in Psalm 119 where it talks about blessed are those who walk in his ways. You know, we're called to, to obey him, to walk as he's commanded us. And we do that. And as moms, we do that with all our heart. We take our job seriously. I know everybody in this room takes their job, and most of them, takes their job very seriously. And we do our best. But we are human. We do mess up. And you know what? Our children have their own set of wills, <laughs> right? And it's not, it may not turn out as we expect it. So my, I guess the bottom line of the message is today, walk in his ways and take heart, you know. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen this book. This is if you have a prodigal in your life. But even if just for children, this little book is full of great prayers from about, about and two mamas. It's Ruth Graham, Bell Graham's uh, Prodigals and Those Who Love Them. thought this was a really great perspective. You know, we just don't know what God has in mind for our children. Sometimes we, as moms, get too motherly. You know, we, we try to intervene so much, and we don't want our kids to hurt. And this, this little poem gives a lot of perspective. It said, had I been Joseph's mother, had I been Joseph's mother, I'd have prayed protection from his brothers. God, keep him safe. He is so young, so different from the others. Mercifully, she never knew there would be slavery in prison, too. Had I been Moses' mother, I'd have wept to keep my little son, praying she might forget the babe drawn from the water of the Nile. Had I not kept him for her, nursing him a while, was he not mine? And she, the Pharaoh's daughter? Had I been Daniel's mother, I should have pled, give victory. This Babylonian horde, godless and cruel, don't let him be a captive. Better dead, almighty God. Had I been Mary, oh, had I been she, I would have cried as never mother cried. Anything, oh God, anything, but crucified. Do you ever think about Mary? Oh my gosh, her life. And the things that she saw and suffered with her son. With such prayers importunate, my finite wisdom would assail. Infinite wisdom. God, how fortunate infinite wisdom should prevail. We don't see the whole story, do we? We only see parts. Thankfully, thankfully, God is in control. We have a God we can trust. You know, we don't know if our child's going to, if God has a big plan for him, a grand plan, or maybe our, my child is going to be a rebel, rebel, suffer horrible consequences. And Voskamp says, I think I've read this quote to you before, why does no one ever tell you that you, that once you start labor over a child, 
You'll never stop. And you must always remember to keep breathing. And I think that word could also be praying. <laughs> right? So in Genesis, you know, uh, after the fall, we're called to have children. Adam and Eve were um, told to multiply and children. This is God's plan for the human race and for going forward. And God sees it as a good thing. We've lost sight of that, I think, in our culture. Well, I know we have. You know, a lot of young families opt for a dog, um, opt for independence and uh, having their money to spend for themselves. Or maybe decide they need to wait till they have enough money. And I don't think the economy is going to change for the better. So I think we have to get over that. You know, we make allowance for where we're at. But here's a couple of psalms that talk about how wonderful it is and God's perspective on children. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And this actually is talking about war. You know, having in these times, having children that you would have children that were going to grow up in war with you. They were going to help support you and whatever that was. And now we don't have the same lifestyle, but children are certainly a are meant to be and should be a support in our old age. Right? If we, I, my mom's in a um, independent living, and um, I'm able to to be with her and. and She's right now on the corner, so we spend time together. But there's a lot of older people in that place that have no children, or at least no children who are close by or are watching out for them. Children are meant to be part of their family forever and to help the, the older ones as they get older. So it's part of, important. It's social security, <laughs> right? It's God's plan for social security. And then in uh, Psalm 128, It's talking to a young man. I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's too hard to chop it up. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Who what? Who walks in his ways. It's a repeating theme there, ladies, huh? When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it should be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Children are kind of how we mark time, aren't they? You know, you raise your kids, and it seems like it'll never end, and then they grow up, and they have their own children, and then here comes these grandchildren. They're so wonderful, and it makes, so you have this wonderful things to look forward to where you have your own children, and even better, children. Gives us, I think it's a place of hope, you know. There's more people coming, there's more children. It's really a blessing to have those grandkids. And then Jesus, you know, in math, in Mark 10, if you remember, Jesus was speaking, and some children started to walk up, and the disciples are like, no, don't leave, you know, leave them alone, you're just kids. And Jesus, like, he was indignant. The word uses indignant. says, don't keep them from coming to me. As a matter of fact, you need to be like children. You, have, you need to have a faith like these children. God, Jesus valued them. He had this time to spend with them, to talk with them, to teach them. 
So no matter where you're at in your mom walk, you know, maybe you haven't had children yet, or maybe um, you have little ones, or maybe your kids are older, um, maybe they're still at home, maybe they're gone, it doesn't matter. Um, if you still have life left, you can still decide, um, make a plan for what kind of mom you want to keep it. It's never too late to grow and learn. And you know what, kids are very forgiving. You feel like, man, my kids will never go, you know, over whatever it is they harbor against me. You know, um, God can, he can heal families, and it's important not to just give up. So um, think to yourself, what kind of mom do I want to be? And you kind of think about, this is, a, this is kind of a homework thing for the week, you know, what kind of mom do I want to be? And what kind of mom have I been up been up to this point? And what's where's that difference? What do I need to do to be that kind of mom? This is one of our Titus two. Um, we have a little notebook that the ladies keep, and some of the classics out of it. And this one's called Titus two three through five in a child's version. Moms, be good examples of a good life, right life, so that your children may see that you are sound minded that you love their daddy. We'll talk more about this. That you love them. That you are wise and self-controlled. That you are pure in thought and deed. That you love the home they live in. That you want to be there. That's so them. Do your kids think you, you love them and want to be there? That you take care of your home and make it a safe haven for them. That you are kind. That you treat their daddy as the head of the home. See that they see truth. See the example of what is right and trust in God's word. You know, we're looking at David. And what does it take to be that kind of mom we're thinking about? Well, it takes humility. And humility means the opposite of pride. So that means that we, like Psalm 119 is teaching us, we need to be um, humble, teachable, wise. I wanted to turn to Proverbs. I oh, don't get upset. Proverbs 31. Ladies get set up, upset about this because it seems so impossible. And this isn't a legalistic standard, ladies, Proverbs 31. It's an example. So these are things that you can glean. Um, you know, when you're thinking about what kind of mom do I want to be, right? So we'll start over in, uh, I wanted to show you, starting on verse 17, it says, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. This is the Proverbs 31 woman. Um, you know, her job is kind of describing her job. And between there and 21, just talking about the things that, she, that she's doing. And then uh, also in 25, it says strength and honor are her clothing. So in both cases, um, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arm. And in 25, strength and honor are her clothing. Ladies, there is not a perfect mom born. <laughs> you know, it's not something we learn in school. If you're fortunate, you had a, a godly mother and you were able to watch her or somebody in your family. I didn't have that. I didn't know anything about loving my husband or my children until I came here. I was very young. I had three little kids at the time. 
and Naomi was teaching, and her, she shined forth God's love. And I felt so loved by God and by her. And um, yeah, but what I want you to notice about this, that word gird, you may know, you know, the clothing they had was very flowy. And to, in order to get down and do some work, you had to gird those long things up. So you had to gather them up, maybe time about your waist. Um, I don't imagine the women did that in public, but like if they're maybe scrubbing their house or working in the garden, gird up those um, those that clothing and get ready, get strong, get ready to work. And then the strength and honor, honor her clothing, that's something you put on. It's not something that comes within. They didn't tell them to dig deep and do your best. It's not what this is saying. This is the same as Psalm 119. Your strength comes from God's word. Your strength comes from him. This isn't an impossible standard. I'm going to equip you, says God. You don't have what it takes, but I do, he says. So we're going to look at what he what he gives us for that strength. So I just wanted to read through this the second half of this proverb. So she, uh, oh shoot, it's always so hard to start. Where to start? Well, it's talking about her being industrious, right? And taking care of her family and making sure that she's ready for the different seasons. It says, and we'll start in um, 23. Her husband is known in the gates. No, yeah. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Are you ever at a loss, please, for what that wisdom should be? I sure am. That's a tough one. And on, on her tongue is a law of kindness. Do you always speak with kindness to your family? She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her. So when I read this, you know, this isn't something we can just, this is going to happen to us. This is, takes intention. So this being a good mom is about being dedicated. And I, I found this little paper when I was going through my child folder, but this is all yellow. <laughs> this is my little attempt uh, when I had come here to, to come up with what I wanted my my creed to be for being in my home. And this part was toward my children. It says, I will not yell. I will not spank in anger. I will try to be fair. I will not sigh or act frustrated. In other words, manipulate. I will not try to make the kids feel guilty. It was one of my grandma's favorite things was to try to make us, oh, you're poor mom. Can you believe what you've done to your poor mom on the bed? You've got to work somewhere. That's shaming, and shaming doesn't change anything. It only drives people farther away. I will pray for my mom, for my children daily, for their salvation, their character, their spouses. I will be a good listener. I will praise them for the things they have done right. So you can see the things that I was struggling with as a young woman. I had to remind myself of these things often. You know, we get so caught up in, in doing, forget about the being with my children. So what does it mean 
um, that love our children. God tells us in Titus 2 to love our children. It doesn't mean spoil them. It doesn't mean give them whatever they want. Actually, you know what? Those things are the opposite of love. Because if we really, really cared about our children, we would care about their character. And God tells that about us. He says if God um, disciplines those he loves, we're to be the same with our children. If we don't care how they turn out, we really don't care about them. So part of that loving them is to be fond of them. You know, there may be times you really don't like your child, right? But he should always know or she should always know that you are for them. And that, you know, there's hope <laughs> that things will be restored and that you're going to work on things. Do you enjoy your children? And I'm not talking about all the time. We're going to talk about some ways to experience that joy. Delight in, admire, accept them as they are. It doesn't mean you don't discipline them, but you're not trying to um, change everything about them. Care for them, nurture them. Do they trust you to meet their needs? Do you know how to fill their love cup? Do you know what speaks to them? Have you ever read the love languages for, for kids? It's really great. It gives you some ideas on speaking to kids in a way that they have heard. And we all have our love languages, the things that speak to us. Some of us are word people. We love someone to tell us. And they need to hear, I love you. We need to hear you doing a good job. And I think actually we all need all these things, but some of us resonate more with others. Um, so words is one way. Gifts. Some people are just very gifty. They love to get gifts. So if they don't get a gift, they don't feel like, you know, did you love? D, you were all five. It's, uh, words, gifts, physical, physical touch. Mm -hmm. Other kids like to be touched. I like his tongue. What's the other ones? Acts of service. Acts of, oh, doing things for them that they find in time. Quality times. So all of those things are needed. And I will say, ladies, I don't think there's any such thing as just quality time. It takes a lot of quantity time to have quality time. And that means being with your kids, spending a lot of time with them. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to the relationships uh, we have we need with our kids. So we're called to love our children, and we're also called to train them. In Deuteronomy 6, you guys want to turn to Deuteronomy 6? This is starting at verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your home and on your gates. So there's this idea of training and taking lots of time and talking about it all the time. Going to church on Sunday, it's not going to be enough. They need to hear it from you. They need to see it applied. They need to see it you living up, you know, you practicing it. And then there's some great verses in Proverbs. Uh, I actually have it on your tabletop list for today. But in Proverbs uh, 22, 15, you know, if you read Proverbs, if you read Proverbs, one proverb, a day, you can get through the whole Proverbs in a month, 
And it's fun, you know, you can choose different colors or whatever, but it's fun to see what it speaks to you at different times in your life. The word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-inched source. So sometimes things will pop up. Oh gosh, I really need to hear that. And then you go back and look and you go, what was I thinking? You know, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't resonate with me today, but God's word is, is uh, really special. So 22.15, it says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. So even though we think our little children are innocent, and they are, they are born with a sin nature. And that means that they have their own will. And it's not very long. It's an experience. And they express their will. Someone told us this morning <coughs> he was very hungry. <coughs> but what is bound up in the heart of the child is foolishness, and it's our job in training him is to drive that far from him. We're going to talk a little bit about how to do that. And then Proverbs 17 25. <coughs> A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. And, and I know you can come up in your in your memory of times you've, you've seen somebody's kid, you're like, man, that kid is out of control. And if my kid is out of control, that means that I'm being foolish because I haven't taught him to obey. It really hurts when our kids disobey. And then 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that train up in the way, in, the, in this context, is you know, towards his bents. What is he good at? What might you direct him to? You know, as he gets older, is he gonna, what's he going to be? What's he good at? What can you direct him to? What will, what will help fulfill that way for him? He can use what God has given him as a talent. I did want to talk a little bit about little ones. We're, we're going to talk about child training a couple times. As I was looking through my notes, I was like, there's no way we can get this in 35 minutes. So this will be one of two uh, lessons we do on children. But I wanted to say that, you know, when kid, when children are a little bitty, and if your kids aren't a little bitty anymore, then we encourage your, maybe your people, and women, mothers, young mothers in your life, that children can be trained from a very young age. And actually, if you'll train them the basics while they are small, their life will be easier when they're a little older. You know, the, the longer you wait to discipline a child, the more that will sets in, and the more ways he figures out to, to express that will. So there's one little book I like. I have a lot of ifs and buts on it. But it's called Raising Godly Tomatoes. Has anybody read it? No. So uh, the lady's a woman is a homeschool mom. Um, and she's a little intense, and I think she carries on her method a little too long. But for little ones, it's an excellent book. And she talks about um, keeping her children close to her. And I would encourage you, ladies, if you have an option to stay home and you have little ones, stay home. You know, that that time, of, especially up to about three years old, is just a critical, critical time of setting um, habits and understanding that will last them the rest of the you know, we kind of think, oh, we'll wait till they're so and so age and they can decide things. No, they need some, they need some tools and they need some setting of, of ground rules. Um, the things that she talks about and the things that I did with my children as well is I did a lot of practicing at home. 
let's say we were going to go somewhere and I knew that child was going to have to sit on my lap. Well, if you've never made your child sit on your lap and you wait till it's really important time, you try to make that child sit on your lap, it's not going to go well for you, is it? It's going to squirm, he's going to push away, he's going to cry, he's going to fuss, and you're going to end up out in the back uh, somewhere because of the child. And I'm not talking about little folks, because they're old enough to sit in your lap and little toddler. And actually, if you you know start early, the earlier you start, the more used to it they will get. And it's mostly just a matter of outlasting them. You know, just working with them over and over again. Uh, and you give them a charm like, be still, be still. You know, and, and let them breathe a few minutes and start again. Be still, sit, sit still, and just pet them, give them a little something, maybe hold them in their hands, make it easy for them. And maybe have to give a little no, first say no, maybe they'll pop on the diaper and teach them to sit still. And then you're going to practice that when you go out somewhere. And you're going to find out if they learn it, learn that lesson. And if they did, you're going to go home and you're going to do it again. But you're going to keep working on these things so the child knows how to sit in your lap. Ladies, this is not cool. You have puppies that you demand more of, you know, than some people demand of your children. Children can be trained and they should be trained. And it'll make your life better and you'll, and you'll give you more quality time with your child. You won't be fighting them. How about head down? You're holding that baby unhappy and just you know what he needs to see. and he's just fighting and fighting and just putting the head down you know head down head down let him struggle a little bit head down head down just and it's going to take some time you're not going to do this in five minutes but once they get the idea then next time it won't be so hard and then he'll be able to fall asleep you're giving him tools to fall asleep Teach your kids to listen for your voice. You know, don't don't just throw your voice out there and hope that maybe they'll show up. You know, even for little ones that they're calling away, you can teach them to listen to your voice and to look for you when you call. And it's the same thing. You just, you know, you set up a situation where you're working at it over and over again as a key word until they give in. You're asking them to give their will to you. And it's pretty easy when they're tired. I always taught my kids to watch for me in a store. I never had a leash or, you know, and I never had to look for my kids in the store. I always taught them, you know, watch me. And then I would have them put their hand on the basket. And, you know, I, we would just work at it. And um, I went in a store one time and a woman came in. And she had like a, maybe a two and a half year old with her. And um, I did not handle the situation well. <laughs> but I could have done a lot better. It could have been a teaching moment, but I got aggravated because she was just yakking on the phone and acting all cute and silly. And I watched as that kid walked out the door. And uh, and I, 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 had, I had just come outside, had finished my shopping, and I saw this kid come out the door, and I waited. And, was, and there was two workers sitting out there, so the child sat with them. And um, so I walked back in the store, and she screamed, I can't back and so I said, well, if you had not been on your phone, you'd know where she is. She's right up here. Um, but there's no reason for that. You know, we should be attentive. We shouldn't be on our phones all the time. And we should be paying attention to our children. So, and that's not one-time deals, ladies. It takes lots and lots of patience, lots and lots of love and time. But I promise you, if you just teach your kids a simple word like no, head down, be still, You'd be able to go anywhere with that little person. You'd be able to be with you. So, I wanted to talk a few minutes. I have some things for you to think about, and they're kind of all over the place. 
but take it for what they're worth. So I want to talk about true wisdom, right? And where that comes from. And as Christian women, we know that that comes from the Bible. So the very first thing that we can do in raising our children wisely is to live out the gospel. Your kids see everything you do. They hear what you said. They know what you're about. Are you representing the God you love? And then um, I just want to look at Psalm 119. I have, you know, where are we looking for our, our cues on raising our children? I tell you what, if you're looking to society, you're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, there's so many things that come out, out that are like the new and up and coming ways to choose, you know, to raise your kids or whatever. God's word never changes. And you know what God says about us? There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, we're still the same as we've always been. God's word works for us no matter what age or what time we live in. And don't be embarrassed about raising your children in a way that protects them and trains them. So Psalm 119, 127, Therefore I love your commandments. More than gold, yes, than fine gold. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. But here's what I love about those verses. Your precepts concerning all things, all things, I consider to be right. If I find myself doubting the word is not, the word is not the problem, my heart is. Pray that God would line your heart up with his wisdom. So let's look at some of the things that, he, that we learned from his word and from older women. <laughs> so we love our God. We love and respect their daddy. If you're a single mom, you can still teach your children to respect their daddy. Be very careful if you're in that situation to make sure that you see him in as best light as possible and that the kids do too. That is their daddy. And by respecting daddy, that means, it means a lot of things, but that means that if dad asks us to, to do something, we do it. You know, if, if my husband has asked me to, to do an errand for him and the kids have heard that and I choose not to do it, I'm not respecting their dad. If he hates something that I do, like leaving the trash in the back door, and I keep doing that, that's disrespecting dad. If dad likes to come home to a clean home, and not usually dads just care that they can walk, if there's a path. So, you know, if you take that 15 minutes, hey, dad's make it a big deal. Dad's coming home. Let's get ready. Let's pick up. You know, dad, dad'll be hungry when he gets in. I'll put that garlic on the stove, get the good smells going, let him know we're thinking about him and prepared for him. And then when he gets home, it's a great thing. My husband always made sure he kissed me before he hugged the kids. I've always thought that was so sweet. But however your husband wants it, you know, when he gets home, you know, oh, hey, Dad, you know, he's not just the money, money, the worker bee. You know, make sure you, he knows that you appreciate that he's home. Teach them to listen to him. Right? And when it comes time to obedience, to uh, discipline, let him have his say. You know, it takes two parents to discipline a child, if you have that, and we hope that you do. 
But I think some of the biggest regrets I have in raising my children are the times that I didn't. Um, I fought Rosie on things that I thought were he was too harsh on. But dads have different things in mind. Dads see the goals, they see the big picture, they see life ahead. And as moms and nurturers, like, oh, we don't want to hurt their feelings. We just want them to be happy. You know, I don't want them to cry. I don't want them to be upset. You know. But dads have a different perspective, and we need to honor that. And if your husband thinks he's, you know, especially with the little ones, the husband's like, oh, I don't know what to do with that kid. You know, encourage him. You can do this. You know, teach him. You know, and encourage him. Don't keep that baby from your husband. The next thing is, is would be um, to know that it's okay not to be perfect. You're not going to be a perfect mom. And you know what? Your kids aren't going to be perfect either. So we need to learn to forgive and to ask forgiveness. And that should be a skill that your whole family knows how to deal with. That spirit of humility. Hey, kids, I really messed that up. Hey, I, you know, I own it. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And teach them to do the same. And not make excuses. Mom should have a sense of humor. It's okay to laugh and have fun. My kid's favorite thing is when I laugh. Well, her favorite thing is when I laugh at myself. <laughs> and the second is when I laugh and have fun with them. And your husband loves to see you laugh and smile too. How about praise? Do you praise your kids? Now, so many times we have such high expectations and we just keep driving those kids up and up and up. Do we take the time to praise them? And what are we praising? I mean, be careful not to be praising um, just the uh, the outer things. Oh, you know, it looks so pretty or whatever. That was so cute. We praise their character. Hey, I really like the way you treated your sister. But that was really great how you let so-and-so go first. You know, praise things that matter. Protect. Do we protect our children? It is our responsibility to protect our children. And there is so much to protect them from now. You know, um, the story of Corey Tindu, she talks about when she was a young girl, her dad, uh, she had asked her dad a really hard, quite an adult question. And her dad had a suitcase and he handed it to her. And it was too heavy for her to lift up. And he said, that question you asked me was too heavy, like that suitcase is too heavy. Just be really careful how much you're your kids be exposed to. There's no reason for a young child to have a, a cell phone that has internet access. You know, there are nice little flip phones if you feel like you need to know where your kid is. The kids don't need to be watching news. They don't need to be, you know, we can hardly handle the news, ladies. Holy cow, I have to turn it off. It's so concerning. It's so awful. It's so much of it is just. I never knew you were have porn in the news. It's just awful. The kids do not need to be. They need to be children. You know, I don't care how hard they fight you. I'm really thankful. All my daughters, my grandkids are you know 14 and under. They don't let them have. They, they have a phone, but they don't have. And the one, my one granddaughter earned the money back of her life. She's not allowed to have it anymore. So, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And you give them time to grow and mature before they're exposed to all that stuff. Don't let them tell you that everybody else has it or everybody else doesn't. 
I think there is a trend towards pulling that stuff away. It is really so dastardly. We talked a little bit about being patient, have realistic expectations. Teach your children manners. This, you know, if you can boil everything down to manners, kids understand that. That's a language they can understand. Hey, that was really bad manners. That was really good manners. Or when you're teaching them, this is, you know, this is what we do. This is how we treat others. Manners is just learning how to treat other people with respect. Whether you're eating, you know, hey, I don't want to see the food now. Don't dip your table, you don't dip your chamber, you know, all these things that you can teach them as you're going, you know what? When you're training your children, don't overwhelm them. You know, don't be sitting there nitpicking at them like a little hen for everything they do. Pick one thing at a time and work on it. And when they've got it, move on to the next thing. Make a note. And okay, we got that. Mouth and cheek closed, that's good. That's good. Okay, now, you know, what else? Almost off the table. You know, don't be picking at them all the time because they'll never feel like they succeed. It'll, it'll bust them their motivation for always picking up. But should be sure to reward them when they do well. And manners can be taught from little being. You know, when the kid walks in the room talking and you're having a conversation in the middle of a telephone call, you know, you can give them a sign. You know, a little sign language is good. Hey, that means stop. And if they want to talk to you, they I tell my kids, put your hand on my leg and I get to acknowledge they're there and I wait, they would wait till I could get to them. So for interrupting. Interrupting is bad manners. I think it's important to know the difference between rebellion and childishness. That's a big part of wisdom. Make sure our expectations fit their age. Know what, know what you can expect of your child. You know, if they spilled the milk, was it because they just were young and clumsy? Or were they were they wrestling at the table and they spilled it? It's a difference between rebelling and childishness. So know their developmental stages, know where they're all That too takes This is an important one, ladies. You know, all these things are kind of serious, right? But play with your children. Whatever age they're at, make time to enjoy each other. And maybe I hate board games with kids. We I like playing with my grandchildren. I guess I, would, you know, I think when you're busy and you're Got all these things to do, you think, oh my gosh, I'm gonna sit down and play a board game. But my kids are all great about it with their children. Um, my girls are all better moms than girls. <laughs> and my son, too, is pretty cool to watch. Um, but you know, adventure with them, take them places, don't wait till you're on vacation, find something fun to do, and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You know, go on a, go on a hike. Um, Stay up in some stars at night, have a camp out in the yard, do something that shows a little adventure and curiosity and fun. I think it's really important to teach your kids hobbies, you know, things that they can do that they're that they can entertain themselves, whether it be maybe it's music, maybe it's art, maybe it's sports, but teach them to have things that they like doing. I meet so many kids these days in their 20s that do not have a hobby. How can we go through life without some looking forward to something? You know, having that thing that you love to do. Hobbies are super important to kids. And you know what? It's okay to let a kid be bored. But you know that? That's when they have to figure out what to do with themselves. And that's okay. But the bored doesn't mean I get to put on my device. It means I got to figure out something to do. 
Be a good listener. Ask good questions. When you ask a kid a question, try to form it in a way you can't say yes to them. Just quickly, a few, a few things to avoid. Avoid disciplining out of anger or embarrassment. And sometimes we get madder if the kid has embarrassed us. Check your spirit with that. Sometimes that just means forgiving them. Don't jump, jump to conclusions. That goes either way. You know, don't, don't assume that they were wrong or don't assume that they were right. Look at things honestly. Give it time. Don't just jump to a conclusion. That'll make your kids withdraw. Don't expect too much. And don't expect too little. Don't be a pushover. It's a really delicate balance sometimes, that too much or too little. That comes from knowing your child. Do rely on your husband for what he sees in your children. Work at it together. Hey, I'm seeing this. What do you think? Hmm, it's to think about. It. You may be right, or no, I don't think so. It's really good to, to rely on each other. And then we should pray. That's, and that's not, I didn't say that last because it's the last thing to do. I say that because it is the thing to do through children. Psalm 119, 148 says, My eyes are awake through the night, watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, O Lord. You revive me according to your justice. We're oh. praying for them day and night. I wanted to read this one little, um, I can't believe it's already as late as it is. Um, so I have this little book again, The Prodigals. It says, listen, Lord. Listen, Lord. The mother's praying, low and quiet. Listen, please. Listen what her tears are saying. See her heart upon its knees. Lift the load from her bowed shoulders till she sees and understands you who hold the worlds together hold her problems in your hands. Hold her problems in your hands. So, uh, well, that's lesson one on children to be continued. That's great. <laughs> Dearest Lord, we just thank you very, very much for this day and this time in your word. Lord, we love your word. We thank you for the wisdom that you've, you've given us, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to do it by ourselves. We thank you that you have given us all that we need to live in your way, Lord, to walk in your ways. We bid you to help us to obey, Lord, help us to be humble. Take the pride from our hearts, Lord. Help us to be teachable. Lord, help us to give all those graces to our children. In Jesus' name we pray. Mm-hmm.